This is a HeadGum Podcast. Yes, it's another episode of Enemies. My name is Lisa Traeger, your host. Thank you, anyone who listens. And if you're listening today, thank you. It's I shouldn't be so desperate up top. Um, but I'm thrilled to be here and being able to do this podcast. And I also want to give a big-ass shout-out to the new production team. I have a group of badass girls who have really been um, changing my life so thank you so much to um, the gals we have Anya Ali Rochelle's very thrilled about that so snaps also huge snap at the Montreal Comedy Festival I was lucky enough to squash some beef um, I had tension with this one comic for a while I was running my mouth a little bit she didn't like what I said and we realized there was someone in the middle who was getting off on like firing the flame and making it bigger um, and I was waiting to actually take her aside and apologize um, waiting for after her set I didn't want to like you know do anything before she had to work and she actually grabbed me and wanted to squash it and was like, we've had too much shit go down. People, you know, like, let's fucking end this and let's feel good and support each other and be badass. And like, we, you know, and I was just like, huh, like, I've been wanting to talk to you for forever. I'm so sorry. I fucked up. And it just was... It feels good. It feels good to squash some beef. Um, at the end of the festival, I was sitting with a few people and um, a new game that I'm going to take with me forever. It's called like your crush and enemy. And so Sophie Buttle was like, who's your crush and enemy of the fest? And so I kind of took that and was asking a bunch of people. And um, then we started getting into superlatives like best couple, most improved MVP, like everything. And then it was like spiciest drama or like biggest gossip or fight or something. And like there wasn't. There was one altercation that I witnessed um, that I told everyone about because I hate the person who started it, but um, have learned nothing. Squashed a beef, started a beef. Um, but it, yeah, everyone was just so happy to see each other. This fest hadn't happened in three years and it was really cool to be with a bunch of people that were excited to hug. I got a lot of compliments, which felt awesome. Um, not on my, just my performance, but my personalities. So that felt cool. Um, I also think I want to do a top 10 list of hot, young, professional women in Hollywood that dress well. So um, I'm going to be doing that list. If you'd like to be nominated, let me know. I'm going to keep this short. Got to keep it short. I'm going to start it. I'm very excited. Um, but as always, call us with your problems, send some emails, give us some attention, sweetie, um, subscribe or whatever, live your dreams. Um, today's guest, I'm so excited. I became familiar with him on my friend Sid Can Cook's like Instagram show during the pandemic, and he seemed like such a great person and then I got to work with him on game show and just follow him on Instagram and watch his lovely vacations um, with his beautiful girlfriend and uh, curious to know how he works what what his advice would be and um, just like dissect lots of very fun cool things and I'm excited you know I love this podcast so much because we can have people I hate we can have people I love we can have people I don't even know we can have professionals we can have people struggling or I just love that there's no like full format um, for this show and it keeps me um, happy, vibrant, amazing. Um, oh, I do want to say I have a huge enemy. 
I can't believe I was about to, I'm always about to start it. Let's keep the intro short and then I don't. But in Montreal, I ordered a bagel with strawberry cream cheese. That might be controversial to some. I like it. Um, and I received and you don't see it out very often, you know, the strawberry cream cheese. And so I got so excited. I walked with my friend to a park and I open it and I take a bite and it's just not strawberry to me but I go maybe it's just I'm too American this is like not fake and sugary maybe this is like real cream whatever maybe strawberries are different here it was sun-dried tomato the bitch gave me sun-dried tomato I will fucking murder her and her family how dare you um so that is an enemy for right now the woman who gave me um (laughs) sun-dried tomato instead of strawberry cream cheese um also not an enemy but listen to this I was on a flight with somebody who I've sat next to on a flight before. And if I see him the third time, I'm saying something. I have to say something. And I looked, I I did keep looking at him on one of the flights. We're going to all these flights. Is he in comedy? What the fuck is going on? But um, we'll see. He had like a Yeti bag cooler. And so I noticed that his hair, his shoes, like... I just can't believe it. Even flight attendants and stuff say it's really rare to be on the same flight with someone again. And I just couldn't believe that I was on a flight with someone twice sitting next to them. And so I am really upset with myself on my own enemy that I did not say something because it's so rare and cool. Um, But hopefully the universe is hearing me and will throw this guy to me again. Okay, Demi Adijuibe is this week's guest. Um, I think you're going to love it. I think you're going to want to follow him and love his vibe, love his choices, love his opinions. And thanks for sending emails. And we're going to get to more of them in all the episodes. We have some cool people coming up, lots of fun stuff. And I saw Trixie Mattel live in the rain with my well-dressed Hollywood gals. Um, I'm going to make a top 10 list. Watch out. Um, Oh, also, I guess I guess this is very inside. I mean, I just introduced the guest. This is a nightmare. But another enemy from the festival, there was like a panel for cool comics. And I would just watch the panel and the panel asked, what's it like to be the, the woman asked the panel? What's it like to be a woman in comedy? Because sometimes women are bigger bullies than men. It's a professional panel. Anyways, get excited for Demi. I'm going to shut my motherfucking mouth. Demi, hello. Hello. Thank you for doing this. I mean, when I when you hear the word enemies, you really don't come to mind at all. Oh, thank you. So that's the nicest thing you could have said to me. <laughs> but I, I think just seeing the headline enemies in bold in my inbox was terrifying. I was like, oh God, some, why is why is someone mad at me? And then. <laughs> You asked me to be on the podcast. I was like, okay, yeah, you really foot in the door to me. This is not as bad as I thought it would be. So, no, and usually when I have like fun people on, people will be like, wait, that's your enemy? Wait, why don't you like this person? And I'm like, no, the people <laughs> I don't like refuse to come on. And so right. we've had to grow. But are you a confrontational person? Is there a seething, um, some like anger inside of you that gets released? No, which is like it, it, to a fault because there are things that like I'll have a problem with and just let it stew within me until I'm like, oh, I should deal with this. And then it's like, 
you know that kind of thing where it's like oh you don't raise a problem but then by the time you do you think it's like this huge thing that's been like five years of our friendship you've been doing this and it's like well, if you just brought it up immediately it would not be a problem for so long that's unfortunately how I can get yeah but it's not even your fault it's how we're raised like you need to have tools mm. to deal with conflict so I'm assuming like maybe right. not a communicative home like I did no, not, not at all talk about conflict in my house so I grew yeah. up not able to do it and I've been having to work on it yeah do you find that in trying to work on it it's been like oh this is easy or do you still feel like because I have like fights with friends sometimes where it's like I'm trying to be the person who will not be like all right let's go to lunch and talk about this but it does feel like even in the process of doing that I'm like trying to be apologetic and then it feels like oh, maybe I didn't get everything out that time but it just feels like a hard thing to sort of have to figure out as an adult Oh, absolutely. And you're always not on the path constantly. So for a while right. you're doing good, like I'm here in Montreal, the Just for Laughs Festival, not to mm -hmm. brag. Um, I did go to Ooh, dinner la -la. with some colleagues and I did start a fight and it's because someone took my chair and Ooh. humiliating. It wasn't about that, but I was angry and seething and it like came out and then it was like, you're psychotic. And it's like, sure, I'm psychotic, but you drove me to this. But it's like, you didn't. I shouldn't care about it. You know, like. Yes. It's tough. It started because me and my friend wanted to invite some other people to dinner. And these people were like, no. Hmm. And I go, I'm an adult. I get to bring who I want to dinner. And they were like, no, it's just this group. And it bothered me. Yeah, that's that's the kind of thing that would upset me because it just feels like who fucking cares? Like, why, why is this a thing? Like, it's the kind of thing where, like, at least give a reason as to why this is happening that I can understand. Or it's then it's like, well, then why am I part of this? It just feels like you can't make the rules and then just be like, you don't get to understand why, but this is the rules. Well, I know it's I because know. they wanted to pay for everybody. Oh. And so because of mm. that, they didn't, we couldn't. But these two other people could have afforded their meal you also yeah. don't have to pay for everyone it's also if you're gonna ball out ball out and pay for these other bitches dinner too then right yeah <laughs> i don't know i don't know i feel it's like stupid that, that basically would be... <laughs> i just want to answer no. your question and it's like yeah there's times where something bothers me and i'll call my friend right away and i'll bring i'll bring it up they'll apologize and it's done and it's squashed and then you feel so good about yourself and then immediately you're into your bad habits again of like repressing and yeah. letting out in weird ways i guess was the point of me bringing up this dinner again i can't stop talking well about yeah it. <laughs> because then you try and do the thing that you're like well this is the healthy way to handle it and the feedback you get is uh no you fucking suck and it makes you feel bad and you're like all right i'll just go back to the old way that was at least a little bit better for the short term and what but I, is I feel, yeah go ahead i like the first thing that you said about someone stealing your chair like that scenario feels stressful to me because it feels like the kind of thing that like getting mad about it everyone would just be like whoa what you're overreacting but you feel like you're in the right like those are the scenarios that make me fucking furious where it's like i don't want to be this upset but i am and it's only getting worse because everyone's acting like i'm being unreasonable to be upset well yeah and it's this thing of like no i was in the center of the table and now i'm at the edge yeah and that's gonna change my experience and you also didn't let me bring my friends for some weird reason right no i think that's shitty those people it are my enemies now who name them <laughs> oh, oh, okay. I didn't think you were going to name them, but yeah, we'll bleep it. We'll probably bleep it. But I have a lot of conflict oh, you bleep with it him. twice because I did. I, I mean, I don't even know that guy, so <laughs> good. he's not my enemy. Please don't hear this and decide to take me out. No, I. He knows we're frenemies. He bothers me. I mean, yeah. um, I'm a white person, so this might be even crazier to say. But like, 
white men bother me. Men, bo- patriarchy bothers me. I don't like being around people who um, exude those vibes, but don't yeah. realize that they are that. I got a, I, it, I've got a big thing about being around white men and just feeling like, okay, I think we live in a very different world and it's hard for me to talk about it with you because I think they get very defensive, first of all, but then it's also just like there's a benefit of the doubt or like a base level of almost like a handicap to life that they get in every aspect that just feels like, well, at this point you should know it, but also we're not going to have the same experience around this one thing. So trying to bring up a, a thing that seems like a subtle conflict will just come off as like, what? No, I don't think that's happening. And it's like, okay, but we live in different worlds. It is. You need to just believe me. So I, I try not to spend too much time around them. Well, what also, well, in comedy, it's hard. You know what I mean? Right. But Which maybe why I don't do much anymore. <laughs> I interacted with this person 2016 when the election, this was right before the inauguration. Yeah. And this person straight up was like, what's the big deal? Give Trump a ch- shot. Like, you don't even know. Why are you going to the women's march? Like, and then while we're here at this fest, this is going to be crazy because I think I talked about it in this week's episode too because it's enraged me. <laughs> he legit in the same day brought up, oh, damn, I didn't even see the Roe v. Wade thing coming. Like, that, I didn't even know. And mm. he also was like, damn, you were psychotic in 2016. You went crazy that trip. You were, like, so mad at me. And I'm like, the fact that you're <laughs> saying these two things at once is nuts because I did know this was going to happen in 2016. And that's why I was yeah. acting, quote, unquote, nuts to you. And I was just, like, a frantic woman. And now, sadly, I've been proven right. And Roe v. Wade is overturned. And you still are talking about what a crazy psycho I was in 2016 instead of just going, damn, I wish I listened to you a little bit more. Because I also texted him when Brett Kavanaugh got um, confirmed. And I was like, is this, mm-hmm. is this what you're thinking? No response. And now it's happened. He's like, whoa, it came out of nowhere. But you're still crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I think the thing is there's no value in humility. Like there's no, it seems like you just got to be right. And if you, there's ever scenario in which it seems like you might be wrong for a lot of people, it's just sort of like you kick it down the road until you can be right again. But it's just like admitting that you were wrong about 2016 is like the easiest thing to do. It's like no consequence, but it just seems like to him, it's so much easier to be like, who could have seen this coming? And it's like everyone, that's why it's been four years of people just being worried about this. But yeah, it's it is frustrating. And then and and then in my head I go, who gives a shit? I don't care about this. Yeah. Why am I even doing this right now? Um right. and uh, yeah, I don't know. It's like I also someone was mad at me about something that I think is ridiculous and it still bothered me that they were mad at me even though I disagree with it. It's just been like <laughs> I hate it turmoil. Even though I yeah. do this podcast and I'm like putting confrontation right. out in the open, it's still uncomfortable and not fun or pleasant. And people that enjoy confrontation, I don't know. I don't get it. That's a big, big red flag to me. But also, okay, given that you aren't confrontational, what do you enjoy about doing this podcast? Like, what is no, the thing I that you're like, okay, I love? Oh, right. Okay. It just hasn't served my life in a positive way. Sure. I, th- I, I respect and admire people that are calm, collected, un- not mm-hmm. pressed. Roll, things roll off your shoulders. I don't care. Like, I like that. So I want to work yeah. on being that. But, um, yeah, I guess I am, co- I am confrontational. But it's also easier to be confrontational with people that don't matter to you versus a partner. Oh, totally. A best friend. Yeah. A sister. You know, those confrontations are more pressure, harder. Yeah. I think it's, I, there's like a scale of like, 
the person I'm dating is the easiest person for me to like communicate with and be like, I don't want to fight you. Let's just figure this out. And then like a friend is like the next tier of like, oh, okay, I don't want to argue about this, but I do think we need to like hash it out. And then I think it's apparent of like, I kind of don't want to talk about this at all, but I might like hint at a little thing. And then versus a stranger or like someone online, I'll just be like, Hey, fuck you. Like who the fuck do you think you are? Don't talk to me like that. But <laughs> no, that's exactly yeah. it. Well, so I'm going to go backwards. The moment I met you was not a real moment. It was, um, our friend Sid can cook. That's she right. was um, having a superstar Instagram live show every week. It felt mm-hmm. like old school television. I would join in every Sunday excited and yeah, I was blessed. You were helping her cook and you were talking about your mother in such a beautiful way. Like you seem like Thank such you. a good person, but you're quiet. Do you not talk about your mother? Is that, was that fake? No, I, no, I was just <laughs> thinking about my mom left town this morning and she came to visit uh, because she wanted to see me around my birthday. And the entire time I was like, Oh God, I don't, I do not want her to be here. But I, it's like, I think <laughs> I literally think that you caught me in a moment where it's like, a, my mom was in town and B it's like, I'm not going to shit talk my mom. It's like, I, I, I don't have like the best relationship with her, but it's not a bad one, you know? So it's like, I'll, I'll, I'd love to say nice things about her, but I'm also just like, oh, wow, that's the impression I gave off. Interesting. Yeah, it was. you were just like, I, I love my mom and baking cakes. Like, it was just like, um, <laughs> it, was, it was like, um, those would be the things that someone said if this was like a dating auction. You know what I yeah, mean? If it was right. like for charity and it's like the eligible bachelors in the town come. Totally. They would be like, this man bakes cakes, he cooks, and he's nice to his mother. Right. I am nice to my mom, that's for sure, but I I, I wouldn't present it as like, oh, number one in my life, that's my mom. <laughs> so if you won a big award, who would you think first? <sighs> the problem is I'd go for a joke first, and then they'd run, they'd be like, they start playing the music, it's like, ah, oh, shit, uh, 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 I want to thank my girlfriend, uh, uh, fuck, fuck, okay, bye. It's I just was... like, who, who do I have to thank, you know? Yeah, but it's scary. You said the girlfriend thing. I always think about that because it's like, you never know. And then your big moment speech is with your past person. You know what I mean? You never know. Right. Wait, what do you mean? I mean, like, I always think about this. Like, if I win an award, um, like, like, if you win an award and you're like, oh, my God, my boyfriend's the best. And then you guys break up your speech of this right. moment that you've always worked oh, for yeah. has this like loose <laughs> boyfriend set in it. Oh, absolutely. I think about that constantly. I, I'm on record talking about past partners on like dating podcasts. And I'm just like, why did I do? Why would I do that? But I, I think I the older I get, the more I have like a sort of like. Oh, it doesn't like just a breakup doesn't mean like, whoa, I regret saying that as much as it's just like, hey, at the time that this was happening, this was the biggest thing in my life. It's like a tattoo, you know, or it's like, I'm not like, damn, I don't like this tattoo anymore. I'm just like, eh, it's a memory. But I'm just trying to be that person more than I actually am. I think I'd still right now just be like, I can't break up with this person. I I said she was cool at the Emmys. I got to (laughs) fucking run this out. No, and hopefully or I think about, you know, Hillary Swank forgetting to thank her husband Chad Lowe and then they did end up separating Ooh, did she forget or was she like I don't know how this is gonna work out I got an Oscar now he was do you not remember this this was such a cultural no, moment for I me this. he had tears streaming down his face of pride and joy for his wife and she yeah. just did not thank him and left the stage <laughs> and they kept Ooh. cutting to him crying 
Oh, they kept cutting to him? That's crazy. Someone in the control booth was like, this is fucking hilarious. She's not going to say it. She's not going to say it. Well, it's kind of like when Britney and Madonna kissed and no one saw Christina mm. and Madonna kiss because the camera went to Justin Timberlake. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. And he's just nodding in the audience. Yeah. I think Good camera Lord. people and producers of those shows are petty, petty, petty people. They're the shadiest motherfuckers alive. I love them. I respect them so much. Do you watch The Real Housewives? I don't. They have really good I, cutting I and to. editing like that. If you, if you, every clip I see, yeah. from any of them, I'm just like, yeah, these editors are just kings. I love them. They or like they will like someone will say, I never do that, and then they'll do a full montage of every time the person's ever done that. <laughs> They're Beautiful. really shady. Wait, so where are you from culturally? Uh, my family's from Nigeria. I was born in London, but I grew up in the U.S. Okay. Do you? Oh, oh man. Dallas. I wonder how different your life would be in London. I think about it all the time because I had an accent until I was six, and so I'm just like, God, where would I be if I had a British accent? Yeah. And also, just what would my life be if I just had to move to the U.S. at some point and didn't just grow up in England? Because I think yeah. shit's bad here, and I, I was just in London and was like, should I think about moving because I have a passport? And it's like. It's really just about measuring what things I'd miss from the U.S., but overall, I'm like, mm, no, I need the shit in L.A. You're being so positive about, like, oh, the, what will I miss? It's like they're burning books. They're making anti-trans and gay legislation. Three more yeah. bad things, and it's it's time to escape. You, you're not wait, You're not like, oh, oh I love my ice coffee. No, like, it's like, we got to get out. You're going to have to get out. Yeah. Yeah, while we were in London, we uh, talked to a woman on the tube, and she was like, we were like, "What? give us one thing that you think would be, convince us to move to London. She's like, easy, no guns. And we we're like, right, yeah, okay, that'll do it. Easy. Healthcare and everything. And Dallas is such an extreme mm. America. That's such a, like, oh my. different, you know, Dallas thing. is one of the big reasons I don't go home, because I don't want to be around that. Like, Why did it's they just, go there? I think they went there because so the city I'm from Plano is like a very good it was like ranked safest city in America once upon a time it had really good schools and I think this is because it was coming off of a big heroin problem that <laughs> happened in the I want to say the 2000s or the 90s and so I think they cleaned up their shit real quick also it was like rich white kids overdosing on heroin so they were like we gotta do something we gotta save the save the world uh, but then after that it became like just a suburban like utopia type place and they moved here to Irving first and then I think got a little money and we're like we need to move our kids somewhere that's like good and I think they found Plano and so we moved there but I hated it the entire time you knew even you did not like your experience no I I I remember thinking even as a child like this place is just devoid of culture and feeling like what do we do here like to the point that my friends and I started just like finding cardboard and burning it under a bridge because we were like there's no thing to do like we just became mini arsonists because we were like what the fuck else do we do in town it's just like i don't know it, it felt very like isolating also to just be like okay well we have this crew of like a few people of color and the rest of our school is like very white and i think it affected me in a, a weird way as a kid and it didn't realize until i got older and like went and looked back at my yearbooks and was like oh i should let people write some bad shit in these yearbooks as a joke and it's just like not good damn yeah, yeah that's what parents don't realize they're like we'll move to the suburbs so our kids are safer but doing nothing leads to problems that's what leads yeah. to heroin if you're a city kid and you can run around in the city you're actually chances of doing burning shit under a bridge is less 
Yeah. Because you can go I, to the orchestra I think all the time or something. About, like, I would want to raise kids, like, I don't know about L.A., but, like, every time I'm in New York, I'm like, I think I could raise kids here if I was, like, fucking rich, sure, but... I'm like, this is let let kids get fucking scraped knees or be like, uh, there was a weird guy on the subway. I'm like, yeah, that's New York. Sorry. Thinking about this yearbook, like at the time when you were a child, were you like pretending those things were okay, or did you think or did they make you feel weird? I think I felt it was like it started as a sort of defense mechanism of like figuring out what was different and pointing it out so that kids couldn't beat me to the punch and make fun of me. And I think over time it just became like this very damaging thing of like, Oh, I did start to believe it about myself, but I thought like, well, it's okay. They're my friends. And they're saying these things because they're, we're all just messing around. But it was always like, Oh, I I'm the target of this messing around. And it wasn't until I got older and like had self-respect and got to be around all sorts of people. And like even just learned about like race relations and just was able to surround myself with more than like a handful of black people. It just felt like, Oh wait, no, this is a, this is a fucked up thing that, I allowed kids to do to me just so I had like a defense kind of. Has anyone in your adulthood treated you in that way as you did as a child? And have you dealt with it differently or you like just cut those people out or how do you deal with it? I, I think I'm just pretty good at cutting them out now. I think that like, I've had friends in the past who were like good friends of mine who would like make offhanded comments that at the time I'd be like, Hmm, I don't know about that, but would sort of laugh it off being like, well, they probably didn't mean it that way. Or like, this is a, this is a, like a little slip and I'll just be like, Oh, that's not that bad. And then in time just going like, I can't believe that I let that go after talking to other people and be like, yeah, this is, they are that kind of person. But I, I think I'm at a place now where it's like, I don't put up with that shit anymore. And I, I think I surround myself purposefully with people where I'm like, I don't think that'll be a problem or a thing that I got to deal with. Yeah, I've also noticed, and this is just uh, like an, um, well, I was a part of game show where you won King of the Straits. Yes, you were. That's right. And it was amazing. You are very, I feel like you have a lot of friends that are women. It seems like you are in touch with like um, queer energy. You know, you really went out there, danced to Britney Spears, like no toxic masculinity as far as I could see. Um, Right. Was that a part of. Your upbringing, is that a conscious behavior? Is that just who you are? And why do you love to have girlfriends, like friends that are women? Uh, Like, I don't know if there's a direct question. I'm just curious about that. No, totally. I I think it's a mix of things. I think as a kid, I felt like an outcast and like the guys I hung out with had very different, like, I, I don't know, like just not goals, but sort of just ideas of what was like cool and I I think that even just like when I hung out with girls who like who I could tell like what their ideal like image of masculinity was I was like I don't fit into that and I don't think I ever will so it just became this thing of like why am I in pursuit of this idea of a person that I'm literally not capable of being you know and I think that just allowed me to just like it's a thing that I think as a child and even like I mean I I don't think it's something I've completely shed but I think it very quickly became a thing of like all right well if this isn't a thing I can achieve then I don't need to sort of go for that anymore and I also think just being the person that was like I can be silly allowed me to do all these things under the guise of like I can be silly like oh this guy knows all he's like hangs out with all the girls and like sings all the pop music and like that's kind of silly and I think 
it was half like, oh, this is silly, but also it was me being like, I'm still listening to this when you guys leave. Like, this shit's good. <laughs> it's fucking great. And I think that just made, like, my friendships with a lot of the girls stronger. And then it was also this thing of, like, I felt very, like, confined in my friendships with guys, but then also felt like a lot of the friendships I had with girls were either like, oh, this is a thing that we, this is a friendship we form out of a bond of, like, what we don't get from other people in this school or this is a friendship that I am having hoping to have with the intention of like maybe she'll realize she likes me and I think doing that through a lot of like school made it sort of this thing like well I'm socializing myself with all these women not as like a ploy but all it's like this thing of like wow we have so much in common maybe they'll realize and then like at a certain point I grew up and it's just like that's not gonna happen but I do still have all these like traits and I'm still like not really able to see myself fitting within the bounds of like traditional masculinity so I'm like where do I go with that and it's like well I, I feel a lot more comfortable around women and also I feel a lot more comfortable just doing things that maybe other men will make fun of me for but women won't and we'll just be like yeah we're gonna go to fucking candy pop at the Virgil and dance to Britney Spears until 2 a.m. like that's great that's fun let's do it there's no like weird tension of like oh we feel uncomfortable with Demi it's like no this is my friend but I do still feel much more connected to their sort of presentation of like womanhood than I have by any like picture of what masculinity is supposed to be and it's like it's hard because I don't think of myself as like oh well like I present as female but I also don't think of myself as like when you picture a man and you define a man it's like that's Demi so I'm just like I don't know where the fuck I I don't know what to do with this so I, I think it's just a lot of me going well I was raised and socialized around a lot of women and men weren't accepting to me so now I have all these traits are you still f friends with some hetero men yes it's it i am friends with a few hetero men although i think the ones that i'm closest with also have similar experiences to me where it's like oh uh they d don't fit into the picture of masculinity that I, I think a lot of men believe is supposed to be what we're supposed to fit into and therefore they also found like comfort in being friends with women and so it's like we'll hang out all together and it's like okay it's us three guys and then like 12 women that are also our friends and it just feels like oh we got here because we are the similar kind of guy but I'm, i have friends who are outside of that as well i just think i'm not as close with them but i don't know yeah because i was just wondering what are the big differences for you that you found hanging out with those hetero men, but you're not even as close with them, with these men that relate to you and then like women, like are there changes in communication or conflict or anything like that that arise or not? I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of like any of the like strong relationships I have with men and like how that applies to them. I feel like I don't get into a lot of conflict with any of those men, but it's also like, because I'm not clear, like close with them, you know? Uh, but I think that I'm genuinely like, or not genuinely, generally an avoidant person. So I think if conflict arises with someone that I'm not close with, I'm just sort of like, all right, well, I'll put you on the back burner. We don't need to talk right now or anything. And I think that men in general don't really reach out to be like, we got to hang. So I don't, I think those friendships just sort of like, flounder until it's like if we see each other at a comedy show or something i'm like hey it's this guy but i don't know 
Yeah, that's my big thing. I used to think if you're nice to someone you don't really like that you're a fake person, and I never wanted to be seen as fake. And then I had yeah. to learn and be like, you could just be nice to someone you don't like. It's, it doesn't oh, totally. reflect badly on you, but I was so scared of seeming fake for so long. I I think I'm the same way sometimes, and I, I think part of it is just the idea. It's the idea of, like, realness that is sold to us is, like, this is who you have to be. And it's like, I don't think it's real to just be like, I'm the person. I don't think it's fake to be like, well, who I want to be is a person that people see as nice, regardless of whether or not I don't like you. It's like, I, I think you can still get kindness unless it's like my actively being mean to you is like in protection of someone else, you know? Yeah, you're a protector. I, I try to be, but I think it's more uh, the only way I know how to not be anxious, where it's like, I can't be mad on my own behalf, but I can be mad if it's like, I need, I have to do this thing because I'm trying to be nice for someone else. Like, it's hard for me to stand up for myself, but it's easy for me to stand up for someone else, you know, which is not great. And I'm dealing with it. But like, for now, I think it's a good enough trait. I think it's a good trait to want to protect your friends or people that you like. Yeah. I think that's totally fine. When you were reached out and asked, like, do you have any enemy stories or things about conflict? Like, what came to mind? Like, what did you kind of plan to share with us? I I truly, I was, like, racking my brain because I feel like I don't, like, I don't have enemies, per se. Like, I think, and even saying that, I'm like, someone's probably going to hear this and be like, I hate that guy. <laughs> and it's just like, well, I don't know you or I don't hate you or I don't think about you or whatnot. I, I feel like I have, like, conflicts with people that, I try to resolve or even it's just like a thing where it's like, well, we both know this and we'll like deal with it eventually or whatever. But I don't I truly was like, I'm going to come on here and rack my brain trying to think of who my enemy is. But I don't think I have like a solid enemy. I have people that are like really weird to me online for no reason or what I perceive to be no reason. But I don't think like there's no one of note that I'd be like, oh, I think about this guy all the time. I hate him. So. That's amazing. Uh, that gives so much more. Because that's another thing. Like, I've been at this festival now for since the 19th. It's the 28th today. I don't know. What is that? Nine days or seven days? Yeah. Like, I'm confused. I don't even know. Nine. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been at this festival for nine days and have had tons of amazing times. Tons. Like, I've been having so much fun. And what do I focus on? The two things of conflict that stressed me out right and i don't know what my addiction is to that turmoil my sister thinks it's because we grew up chaotic and so i crave chaos mm -hmm. and it makes me comfortable um but i hate it i hate it like i woke up in the middle of the night stressed about it i was so annoyed with it and it's like i could have told you like 800 amazing things and fun right. stories and people i bumped into and like people being funny and great and it's like zoomed so I, it is so nice i'm the exact same you. way oh really well i mean uh, yes well i try not to focus on those things and i think just because i i think that like it's very easy for me to see like i think i'm i'm like lucky in a lot of ways and i still feel like i focus on the things in my life and i'm like well i fucking hate that or like if one person says something like mean to me i'm just like why'd they do what did i do what did i fucking do to deserve that and i think that it's like it's not a thing that I lean into or I'm like, oh, I'm happy in the chaos, but I do let it affect me. But I think it's a, the same thing as like crawling through a haystack and there's like a tiny needle in there. And you're like, well, I, I fucking hate this needle. But like you're ignoring all the hay or whatever. Like it's a thing of like, I don't know the if that's pain. the saying. <laughs> 
I don't know what if there is a well, I guess a needle in a haystack, sure, but I don't know why I went with that and then was like, I'm not going to use the saying though. I'm going to make my own thing. But I, I think it's just like if someone says something bad to you, it stands out more than a bunch of people saying something good. But I, I think I, I was just at this is the closest I have to. It's not an enemy because it was a, a very dear friend of mine. But like I was at a wedding this summer that was just like such a beautiful and nice wedding. And I just let this one friend of mine completely ruin it because they were just like, I described it to them as like our friendship feels like we're walking into a China shop and they keep bumping into shit and I have to like stabilize all the plates on the wall. And then we leave and they're like, wow, what a fun time. And I'm like, no, I was back here like making sure that you weren't fucking breaking stuff and you just didn't notice. And is it because they're wasted if- or asshole? Like what, it, what are the things that they're doing? It, it felt like a thing that happened when they were wasted and when they weren't wasted. It got particularly back when, bad when they were wasted and just felt like, okay, this is this is the line now of a thing I can't uh, allow anymore. Of like, oh, I, I need to cut this person out of my life if this is how they behave. But And did you talk to this person? I only talked to this person like two weeks ago, but I truly, like, after the, like... So the wedding happened and then I was spending three more weeks in Europe just on vacation and I texted that person after the wedding just being like, hey, do you remember anything that happened last night? And they were like, oh, no, I don't. I'm so sorry. Did something happen? I was like, "Okay, uh, I don't think it's good for me to be in your life anymore. And I'm probably going to just, you know, I I don't wish you ill, but I don't think I can be your friend for my own well-being. Goodbye. And I didn't talk to them until uh, a couple of days. I, I guess it's probably been. I think it has been like exactly two weeks ago now. Uh, I had to tell our like friend group that uh, Jack Knight, who I think, you know, had passed away. And it like was the first time we talked in ages. And I was like, it sort of like triggered this thing in me where I was just like, I don't want to have enemies. And I it, this thing has been like sort of weighing on my relationship in general a lot. And so it just felt like a thing where it's like, OK, I want to deal with this or at least vent to you. And so I sat down with them and went over to their place and was just sort of like, here's what's up. You you, you do this a lot. I can't handle it. You get drunk and you act this way. And I think that you think it's fun because everyone loves this thing that you do. And it's like, oh, it's so this person's so fun. And they're it's so exciting to be around. They're so like peppy and whatnot. But it just felt like, oh, I hit my limit and I can't be around a person that feels like they don't consider others in the way that I need to, which is like. It, it's such a thing that I'm realizing now is partially because of the way I grew up and feeling like I had to like take control of things to make sure that things wouldn't end chaotically and just realizing like that is not how this person grew up. They were like an only child. They were given the fucking world to this day. They are like very well supported. I'm just sort of like, I think this maybe doesn't mesh well because I feel like I am having to take care of the things that you have never had to. Uh, but how was in their talking response? About it, they were very understanding and like kind of tried to excuse one thing away that I in a way that I was like, I don't that's not a relatable thing to my life. But it's just like they were very like understanding and being like, I guess. Yeah, if I if you were telling me all these things about another person, I would say that they shouldn't be in your life. So I very much understand. But it still felt like, uh, you know, that thing of like you're you're told that you're right but you still don't feel like you're getting the like the the like catharsis of being like no now you know, good now you know you should feel this way and it's just sort of like i don't know what i want from this anymore you know so has there been contact since 
No. And do you miss this but person? I do. They they are a very very good friend of mine, and would maybe once upon a time say my best friend. And it just feels like ugh, this thing of like I really miss the times where it was good, but I do feel like the good times had a plateau where it would turn and like hit a cliff, and I'd just be like, "All right, this doesn't feel like." an exchange anymore it feels like a person just talking at me and i need to go and even just like feeling like oh this sort of interfered with my relationship in in a really bad way and like made me feel like oh i don't enjoy being around this person all the time because it feels like i am uh like having to like maintain things or like sort of like I would get frustrated and then be like, well, I can't really relate to this with every anyone else because everyone seeing this person is like, well, no, we love them. They're so fun. And I'd just be like, okay, I feel like a fucking psycho. Like it feels like that episode of the Simpsons with Frank Grimes where he's just like, how do you, you get to touch the fucking like electrical wires and you don't get hurt and you aren't thinking about all the other people that are affected. And I felt insane, but it was just like, I just think the only thing I can do is just be like, I won't see you anymore. Yeah, that is, um, that rang true. And this person's not mean that I'm thinking of, but they annoy the shit out of me for whatever reason that everyone loves about them because they get to see this person in small doses. So they're like, oh my God, they're so dynamic. But then when you've done years and it's like a script and they're doing the same things to impress people and get the surface level attention. And then all of a sudden you're around it all the time. And it's like, this isn't even real, like, fuck. Um, And then you seem crazy. (laughs) absolutely but it is really frustrating when everyone's like oh my god i love this about this person and you're like it honestly if i have to deal with it one more time i'll punch them in the face right it's like oh they're so spontaneous it's like that's not good in this scenario or it's also like people can't act with your expectation like you you have to accept people for who they are you can't they can't be a version just for you and so it's like totally. so hard to accept people as they are and it is hard it's hard i because i'm annoying when too I started... so oh, if my annoying. friend annoys me i have to give them like a little bit of freedom because i'm difficult to be around and i just wish i could give more grace to people i'm so judgmental and nitpicky and i want my fr- i don't want to do that yeah this isn't when your I problem started talking but about, yeah <laughs> it, it can be though when I, when I started talking about this with my therapist uh she was very much just like you can't change this person or ask them to change who they are all you can do is just like measure out scenarios and be like all right well am i okay with being with this person in this scenario like do you think they can handle this or do you think all these things And so i was like okay maybe i'm just gonna have to figure out ahead of time like oh is this a scenario in which i can involve this person or is this something that i gotta move away from and uh i think then it was just like the wedding happened and i was like nope too much i actually don't think i can interact with them at all it's gonna drive me nuts but you know what it's good you gave them another shot it is yeah it felt like i had to and it was like we talked about it and i they sort of suggested that they understood and then multiple things happened at that wedding wedding where i was like no you don't no you do not at all okay goodbye so yeah all right we're gonna take a break and then we're gonna give people advice let's do it we 
we're back from our break. Now, wait, before we get into voicemails, you have a story. I do. You mentioned the, the game show taping in which I, I remember on stage you kept being like, no, he's lying. He is gay. And I thought that was very <laughs> funny. But then after the show, uh, someone because of that show followed me on Instagram and I thought they were cute. So I hit them up and we went on two dates and on both of those dates, she was just like, yeah, I don't know. I just thought you were, I was like, oh, he's definitely gay. And I was just sort of like on the second date, I was just like, okay, you keep bringing this up. But like, I think at a certain point you need to like, accept that I'm not or else what are we doing here? And I, I think just, I, I just think about that every time that, that game show thing comes up. Cause I'm just like, I don't know. Like I thought the dates were going well, but then you keep bringing this thing up. And I was like, okay, well, Oh, so it was just two dates and done, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't, I, yeah, anyway. <laughs> but no, I think it's, but it has nothing to do with, like, you are gay. It's like we oh, just no. have a, I shouldn't say we, I imagine straight dudes acting a specific way, and it's usually a terrible way. And that's what sure. game show does so good, is that they bring straight dudes out that are, like, not what we expect and they're not scared to be feminine and hang out with a bunch of gay dudes and wear crop tops and grind the floor but that's not very many straights that's not that many sure. straight men oh i was not insulted at all i was just sort of like like i think on the dates i was like you keep bringing this up and i don't <laughs> know what to do with it like it feels like you are still trying to interrogate this i'm like i don't know what to yeah, tell you it's like you could just uh well there's like a seinfeld where it's like he's nice and neat and so it's like that's or how oh, yeah. thin and neat, and it's like that you're gay. Like the, you know, I don't know if you're online as much as me, but straight dudes think everything's God, I I wasn't. gay. It's like yeah. is, is washing your face gay? Like every they're so scared to dive into anything feminine that when we do see it, it's like, well, that person must be gay. Totally. And you know what I think is going to be the turn that makes it bad is I think that now because of like dis discourse and Twitter and the way that like this is becoming a thing of like straight men knowing like how straight men are perceived. I think straight men are going to start picking up things that seem like, oh, this is a sign of how like accepting and feminine I am and using that almost as like a weapon. Like I'm not oh, calling yeah. out like. The nail like, polish. I'm not calling out the nail polish thing, which I'm, I'm like, I have friends who do it. I'm like, that means nothing, whatever. It's fine. But I do think that some people do it and wear it as this thing of like, I'm just progressive, I guess. I'm like, I don't know. You're kind of a piece of shit from everything I've known of you. But <laughs> cool that you are like, whoa, it's so progressive to wear nail polish. But no, most anyway. men think they're liberal feminists until right. all of a sudden they don't want to do the dishes and their wife should stay home. Like. They mm. all don't see – how could you – I was at a bar. I might have mentioned this on this pod, but we were getting along with the bartender, and then something he said kind of clicked with me and my friends where we're like, are you a bad guy? What's mm, your thing? Yeah. And he goes, no, I'm moderate, I'm moderate, I'm moderate, unvaccinated, <laughs> like truly anti-mask. But then this is my new question, my new standard of if I like someone or not. I said, do you think children should get free lunch in school? Mm, and he said no. One. And I said what? <laughs> and he goes, their parents need to get better jobs. It's not my job to like. Pay. So I'm like, you would rather oh. children be hungry? That's a. And you think you're moderate? Yeah, like, that's not moderate. You think that's... children starving is a moderate perspective? Right. Moderate. Moderate is just Republican, but I don't want you to be mad at me. Correct. And then my friend goes, Do you believe in public education? 
And he was about to say, yeah. And then he goes, actually, no, I don't. The school system sucks. And it's like, <laughs> that's like, you're so dumb. So instead of making schools better and kids eating, you're just like, no, fuck the schools, have kids have nothing. Yeah. And then only if you have money, you get, I mean, that's what these people want. And it's like, have you never had hardship or have you had too much hardship? And now you're against everyone. But it is this thing, like, no one admits no one wants to admit they're racist. Everyone's like, oh, no. I'm good. And it's like, no, we're all racist. That's the whole point. Like, you have to admit you, it. You've learned, yeah, you've learned the the sort of public perception of these different things. And you can sort of go like, well, I'll just give you the shortcut. Assume I'm not this thing. But it's like, you interrogate that in any way. And it's like, no, you are. You just don't want the label that makes you feel like... It's like when people say racist, they're like, they can't be like, oh, this action is racist. Like, if you say racist, you are thinking of me as a Klan member. And it's like, that's not how it works. You can be racist because of th like these beliefs that you have that are clearly not good. And it's like, yeah, you're not lynching people, but you're still a piece of shit. I don't you know. You would go to the lynching. But it's also like, right now, there's no more, there's no more middle ground anymore. No. Like, are you, are you willing to die for the cause? If not, you're not safe to be around. Mm. I was with a man who said, I wonder if, if it, when it turn when, <laughs> if it turns into Handmaid's Tale, again, you know, um, I wonder if I'd be a good or bad guy. And I immediately said, you'd be bad. And he got so offended. And he was like, well, I can't believe you would say that. Blah, blah. I'm like, you would be a bad guy. And since then, he's been trying to be so nice. And he's like, I can't believe you said that. And he's so shocked. And it's like, honey, I see I see the way you maneuver. There's no way if women were put in giant robes and and you would not save them. You would not go out on a limb right. to protect it's women. Also like, Get over it. You're not somebody, good. If somebody says that to you, you shouldn't be like, I can't believe you'd say that. Just be like, OK, I need to interrogate what it is about me that makes you think that way. And if you want to the, convince them that that's not the way, then it's like, OK, change your fucking ways if it's that important to you or accept that it's like yeah maybe i'd be one of the bad guys i don't know what should we do next like it's just like you either interrogate the thought that makes someone think that way about you or accept it it's like you're know. just a chauvinist bro like there's a chauvinist in my life who thinks he's like so smart and liberal and it's like the what you put your wife through like you are a fucking 1950s man except you don't make money either like it's <laughs> But you would never be able to say that. Like, he would never be able to comprehend that he is the sexist, no. misogynist that he is. But he is. Yeah. Uh, but he sees himself as a very educated, liberal, uh, equal guy. And it's like the way, I don't know, then take care of your kids. How about that? <laughs> I think that, I think that we have fucked up by allowing men to live by the sort of distinction of like here's a name for your political beliefs here's a name for how you feel about women here's a name for how you feel about people of color because it just allows them to go like okay well i'm a liberal feminist and ally and then just sort of go i don't have to interrogate these things anymore and like people will give you like a round of applause for being like damn he is a feminist and it's like okay well let's let's not just stop it he's using the word what in his life is making clear that he's a feminist and it's like i think just giving everyone shortcuts for these words that we're allowed to just call ourselves is it's like if I sit here and say I'm a feminist someone at home is like yes he used it give him an applause and it's like okay but let's let's figure out what he does in his life that proves that and I think it's so much easier to be like no more terms you have to in every moment of every day prove that you are these things by how you act but it's just a lot less easy because you don't get credit for that and also people think well if you fuck up 
once, then you're fucked up forever. And it's like, no, if you fuck up, then be accountable for it. I don't know. No, I'm with you. No, if you if you're bad, you could be as bad as you want. If you're good, you you're bad once and that's it. That discredits you and you're just as bad as the bads. Like that's what's so tough yeah. about trying to do well or good and like do good in the world is like one error, one anything and you're 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 discredited forever. And that's not Right. That's not what we're saying about the bad people. It's like just admit that you did something no. bad. <laughs> like I think it's the the idea of accountability has been fucked up by people who believe that it's all or nothing like if you've made a mistake it's like well now this mistake is something that we want to bring up in this way and it's like okay if you do get called out like that then you just have to figure out how to like be accountable for it in a way but sometimes it is just sort of like like it's hard to like talk about twitter or like whatever without getting to like the cancel culture whatnot because i don't think that's a thing and whatever but i do feel like there are some times when people are like oh well what about this other thing you did and it's like okay Let's say that is bad. What are the effects of it that you are wanting someone to be accountable for? If it's like they made this bad tweet in 2012 or whatever, it's like that is bad. Let's not say it's not bad. What do you want as a remedy? Because if like two people saw that tweet back then and more people are seeing it now as you're saying it's bad and they're like, damn, that was fucked up. What what more should they issue a public apology for the thing that nobody saw that they can go like that was bad? I don't know. Because I think that the idea of like, the effect of what the bad thing was gets lost in the context of accountability. And then it's just people seeing it as like, oh, now it's this mob trying to take me down. And it's like, no, okay, let's just bring this back to what do you, what does everyone want out of this? But no, I, I don't know. I, I think had it's so bad. Hard. I had bad tweets and it was like humiliating, but people were tagging and sending screenshots of my tweets to to like Asian people or black people and being like, this is who you fought. And I'm like, why that's are you sending crazy. it to them to upset them? Yeah, that's them? so much worse. I'm like, what? <laughs> that's what I thought about with the goal where it's like, what is the goal? And if it's like to cause less harm, taking these fucking racist bad tweets I have and sending them to the people that they would affect seems really, weird, counterintuitive. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think, I don't know. I don't think anyone has quite figured out what to do with these things things that they feel like oh this is causing harm how do i make a difference here because i think it's like i think the internet has ta taught us it's like zero or a hundred and you can't like be moderate in how you deal with these things and it's like you either have to well and it's intention yes. intention too these were bernie bros that were mad that i said something about bernie on uh, television and so to them it's like they just hate it wasn't it was not coming from a place of like it wasn't coming yeah, from a place I don't even of know where it was this needs from. to be corrected. It was coming from a place of, oh, you think you're fucking good? Well, here's this. I think that... Yeah, and we're going to ruin it, and they still do, and it's like all these people that don't... I don't think actually care about people of no, color. I, I, don't. I don't. I think it's people that were like Bernie or Trump, you know? Like, they weren't... I just don't... I have a big issue with white man libertarian Bernie bros that come from money. It's like, the, you're fake. The politics of the 2020 election sort of made me want to hide in a hole because I think that I am someone no. who tries to act and, like, have my politics exist out of compassion. And so, like, when the Bernie bro stuff was happening, I was, I'm someone who supports Bernie Sanders but felt like I don't know how to distance myself from this because all of these Bernie people who are, like, sort of taking this leftist policy as a as a reason to sort of go on the attack at people 
it's like I don't want to be aligned with those people because I know that those people are also the people who in like two years like two years down the line will get mad at me for something I'll just be like I feel like you are itching to call me the n-word so bad and it's like we have similar politics but you are there's no compassion or empathy in this it is pure like I'm doing this because I think you need to be put fucking down and I'm like I don't know what to do with this if we have like similar politics but like yours are clearly from this place of like this is this is sort of like extreme anger and like righteous anger where it's like they believe that they're they should be doing this because it's coming from this good place and i'm just sort of like i i think we agree on the the thing that is needed but i just feel so disparate from how you are doing it that i'm just like i don't know if if the end goal of your politics is compassion for the underserved why does it feel like the only way for you to get that is like this awful Un- understanding sort of vitriol and I, it just makes me feel like I don't want to align with anyone in this scenario but I, I don't know how we got here well no I'm with you I don't either but that's how I felt because I went on the show and basically I was on MSNBC I didn't think it was like I thought it was an internet show I didn't realize people watch stuff most people like I get to say whatever I want no one right. actually cares so I was what I said it was right after midterms 2018 and I went what, who we saw win was young women of color. That's what we want as a party, it seems like. That's who won all these elections. So get this old white man away from us. Like, I don't want him. And so then it was this thing where all these racist tweets of mine came out, and one of my friends had my back and was just like, yeah, she was a dumb bitch, and now she said the right things, and she believes right. them. So it's like, what do you actually want? It, it's do you want me to admit I was a dumb racist bitch? Yes, uh, sure. Absolutely. absolutely. Those tweets are humiliating. Yeah. Um, and then it's like, but do I believe that we need to have women of color and power? Yeah, I believe that now. So what's your point, bro? You have nothing on me. I don't, I'm not like, I'm ashamed, but I'm not ashamed. Yeah. Like it happened. I think a lot of it comes from the place of so is your- people saying like, or people just thinking like, oh, these views that you have now are a lie. What you really believe is this thing from the past. And it's like. Yeah. I don't know if that's the standard to hold people to. Like, I can understand it being the truth in some scenarios, but just hold that as a thing for everybody feels like you are not looking for accountability. You are looking for ammo. And it's also just like, I also just think Twitter's fucking bad. It's a cesspool. There's no, I I don't know a benefit to it anymore. (laughs) I get on there. I'm just like, even people I like, I look at their tweets and I'm like, what are we doing this for? Why are we all so angry about any of this? Like, it just, it's not even like political where it's like we're standing up for something. It feels like, I don't know, people quote tweet someone who's like clearly nobody and are just like, this fucking piece of shit. I'm like, what are we doing this for? Who are you? There's no benefit to any of this. Even the good tweets are bad. And I'm just like, I think the the design of... I like the games. I like like a game where it's like... Find a movie the year you were I born. I think those are fun. I like that. I, I like We need uh, a separate seven movie. We need a separate yeah, website games. for that where there's no there's no quote RTing or like linking to other people's tweets to dunk on them. I also I firmly believe that everyone should get three tweets a day and that's the entire limit. You cannot buy more. You cannot it's just you have three if you, you use them or don't because I think people will be a lot more judicious about what they're like I gotta spend time saying this and we'd all just log off and go look at the birds or some shit but I, I don't want to I'm not getting into my problems with Twitter I think it's just no. generally ruined the concept of discourse but yeah the idea of like the lying where it's like no I didn't understand intersectional feminists I was 20 and oh. now I do so yeah. I've changed like I just I don't know how that's yeah. Yeah, I mean it's like that shit of, that I said earlier about like 
I mean, the stuff that I allowed people to write in my yearbook, it's like, at the time, I was like, this is so fun. These are my friends. This is funny. Now, I'd be fucking horrified if anyone said that shit to me. It's like, I don't, like, I think it's so un... insincere to believe that people can't say things that were like bad when they were young and learn and like be a different person as they're older and I think like I'm very lucky that the only way I used Twitter for the longest time was just me tweeting about whether or not I saw a movie so I feel like I don't have bad tweets and maybe someone (laughs) will prove me wrong but uh, I, I, I think that like there's a it's in it's insincere to pretend there wasn't a time where like that kind of comedy was very much like in vogue and was not here's how you feel about these people as much as it was just like here's a joke that I don't think we're thinking more about and as things got more democratized you were like oh okay I have a better understanding of how this thing works I definitely would not say that now and it's like you just don't think it back and go like hmm now that I've learned this thing should I go and find all those old tweets but it, it just I I don't know I, I think I, I, those people aren't necessarily looking for sincerity or any sort of like accountability as much as they are just sort of trying to make a line in the sand of like, you're out of the circle of people that are allowed to speak now because we want you to, we want people to be like, look at who this person was and people don't change. And I'm like, I don't think that's fair, but yeah, uh, user questions. What are, what are, what are we, who, who's, who's enemies? <laughs> All right. Let's help yeah. some people. You've proven that you are a pro. Hi, Lisa. Uh, my name is Jason. I'm such a huge fan. Uh, a little crazy to be calling you. Um, so my enemy started out as a really close, close, close friend. Um, We've been through a lot together. Um, but about four years ago, um, she just decided randomly that she didn't want to be my friend anymore. Um, and that's that's fine. You're, you're welcome to do that. But, uh, she didn't really tell me. She just sort of ghosted me for six months. And I'm telling you, we were like really close. Um, I invited her to a show of mine. She came and she gave me this really weird talk about how she can't be friends with me anymore. Um, but that she still really loves me, but I hurt her, uh, which I was like, okay. Um, I probably did. I mean, I, I used to drink um, and do a lot of drugs, but um, I've been, at that point, I had been sober for five years, four or five years at that point, um, and had already apologized, I thought, to everyone pretty profusely for my behavior, which which was bad. Um, I didn't think friendship ending, but it was bad, and... Um, and, uh, but every time I see her, every time I run into her, she, like, gives me a hug, and she's like, I miss you so much. I love you. Um, and our close, our close mutual friends cannot figure out why. Either they're lying to me, or she, there is no reason. I think it's because of this boyfriend she started dating at the time, who I wasn't a fan of. Um, and I told her, because at the time, they weren't really dating. They were just sort of talking, and he wasn't treating her very well. So I said, you're my friend. I think he's treating you. Like, shit, please don't date him. Um, and they've been together ever since, and I, I lost a friend, and I'm not really sure what to do about it. I would love um, I would love to perhaps um, talk with her about it one day. I don't know. I'm looking for advice. Um, potentially could bring her on as an enemy. Um, anywho, I'm a big fan. You're the best. I love you so much. And um, 
maybe I misheard one of your episodes, but I want to know more about your beef with I think I remember that. I don't know. I don't know. Um, anyway, love you. Bye. Also, if you just want to be friends, that'd be cool. All oh, right, my bye. God, cutie. <laughs> I also want to hear more about that beef. This is amazing. No, the I... <laughs> he basically treated someone backstage that was working in talent like bringing the water like he just was treating people like shit mm. and i don't really respect that no one's perfect but like even my sister who was backstage with me was like what the fuck <laughs> like i would be so like beyond my i think in the best form of myself i'd like to just be like what the fuck was that guy but i i know that i just be like uh, okay, I gotta go talk to this crew person and be like, what the fuck was that? I'm so sorry. What, what just happened? But like, God, that was, yeah, no, that's not cool at all. Yeah. It's also just like the most obvious, like everyone knows that you don't do that. <sighs> Who knows? But with this guy, the voicemail we listened to, yes. the most simplistic thing I would say is put in time and effort into the people that want to put time and effort into you. Like, totally. Don't, and I know my speech might be sad and you might miss this person and maybe in the future they'll come around, but they're not giving you honesty, respect, conversation, none of that. Like, put time and effort into the people who have forgiven you for your alcoholic ways, you know? Like, right. be around people that are texting you to lunch and wanting to hang out. Like, stop putting this effort to be with someone who's disrespecting you. Absolutely. And I also think that, like, if you keep running to this person and they keep saying, oh, my God, I miss you or whatnot, but their actions are not suggesting as much, I think that it's very easy for you to just reach out and be like, hey, you keep saying this thing. I don't understand why you stop being friends with me, but you you are not allowed to present this image of a different relationship unless you are going to be open with me about what that was, about what you want from me. It just feels like this thing of like they wanted to cut you off, but then every time they see you, they're giving you this different reaction. And it feels like them giving you that different reaction is enough of an open door for you to be like, okay, if you want to do that, then here's what I deserve. If you're going to pretend like we are friends or you miss me. Cause like, I don't think you should get to play both of those cards of like, Oh, I miss you. And like saying that publicly, but then behind closed doors, just like not actually doing that. I, I don't know. It just feels like, I don't know. I think Jason, right? Mm -hmm. Was their name? Yeah. I, I think you can totally, I don't know, send them a text or an email or whatever and just be like, here's every, like, I, I don't know what I did to hurt you. I don't, uh, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish that we could still be friends, but also you got to pick what it is or you got to at least tell me why this happened because I don't deserve time passed and to just pretend like it didn't happen clearly because it has affected him a lot so yeah this bitch gotta start talking i mean i talked to one um friendship expert i i talk about her all the time daniel byer jackson my hero but she's very against ghosting and ghosting mm -hmm. friendships and she feels like everyone deserves a conversation because i was ghosting sure. and being avoiding to one friendship that was not fulfilling me in the ways I needed and after speaking with her I set a time to talk to that friend and let them know why I was upset because it's just totally it's not fair and he's doing the work I mean to to have someone like become sober for years um acknowledge their yeah. past mistakes apologize to people you're they're not entitled to your full forgiveness but it seems like you're putting in the work dude it also feels like from what I could gather the 
I don't know. It sounds like the the rift came after that. Like it sounds like this friend, they were friends, and then like a year later or something, they were like, I don't want to be friends anymore, but didn't give a reason or uh, like explanation to the hurt. And I'm like, okay, is that connected to the alcoholism or not? Because I'd at least be like, I understand that you don't want to be friends with me. I'm not gonna change that, but I can't change my actions unless I know what it was I, that I did that hurt you. But I don't know. And she's not doing it. And it, might, it, it it could suck for you maybe one last email, but like focus your attention and your energy and the, you know, short years we have before fascism on the people you want to hang out with. Totally. All right. We're going to do one more. I have a few. Oh, sorry. I totally just like jumped into it. <laughs> um, hi, Lisa. Uh, my name, actually, I'm not going to say my name because I don't want this to come back to me, but I have a few enemies, and I'm sharing one that became really, really relevant to me today. Um, so I went to high school with this girl in the northeast of the country, um, and she was the theater director's daughter, and I was a theater nerd, and my high school was teeny, teeny, tiny, and there was, like, an incident that happened that I got blamed for that wasn't my fault. So um, there was big drama with that. And then I stopped getting cast in any place. Her mom was bullying me. It deeply traumatized me. So I've always considered this girl an enemy. More so her mom, but this girl as well. And recently, a friend is getting married and has this girl in her bridal party. And so now I have this weird dynamic where I have to interact with this girl who I haven't seen since high school because I moved like a few states away and then across the country. I've never lived in the same area since. Um, but I have to be with this girl like all the time and text with this girl all the time because we're planning things. And it's one of those situations where I think if we didn't have this history, we would be really good friends. Like we got along really well, but we do have this history. And I don't know how to get by it, how to work with it. Should I just be distant? Should I try to make up? I know you have former enemies that are now friends, but this goes pretty deep. This is like pretty traumatic, formative years of my life. So just wondering what you think. Um, thanks so much, Lisa. Love you. Love both of your podcasts. Cutie. I know it's weird. The guests have to hear me get complimented um, a lot with these yeah, That's not weird at all. I think that's very sweet. I love that. It is sweet. I, uh, yeah. What are you thinking? I wonder how much time has passed since they saw this person. Cause I understand it being traumatic is like a formative thing, but I also am thinking to like my own life and it's like, Oh, if I had to see someone that like treated me like shit in high school as an adult, I think my response to it would be like, if it truly was a thing of like, they really bothered me to a place that I'm still like really upset about it, but we have to get through this thing. I'd kind of just be like, well, like I would hope that like, if like it's been six years at least that they might be a different person or that I can be like, Hey, I got to bring this thing up cause it really hurts me. And I think it's only getting worse now that we have to communicate, but I want to do this for whatever the bride's name is and like be good about this. So I just want to clear the air on this thing. And it's like, I don't know. I think the, the it it's really fucked that, the mom every time i hear about like theater drama I, it's always like oh and then the parent got involved i'm like what are these fucking parents doing like why is that how they are so i'm also just like 
I could fully believe that they are not a different person if, like, the person who raised them also was the person who perpetuated this drama. But I also don't know what the actual drama is. So I'm like, it feels like a thing you got to talk out. I don't think you do yourself any favors by just trying to be distant or pretending it didn't happen because then you're just causing yourself pain and it's only going to get worse with the actual wedding so you're very like sincere in this discussion how i would handle it like this actually i was hanging out with a friend and uh yes last night and someone was like how'd you guys meet and i go well actually we met at this comedy festival and he was acting too cool and refused to really talk to me and my friends and he was (laughs) able to go oh my god i know i thought i was the shit and everyone was beneath me but he's done all this work and so it was just such a light conversation because yeah. I brought it up very bluntly and like in a silly way, but I don't know the hurt that's involved. Like you never know what really like how it, things affected you. So I don't want to be like too flip about right. it, but in my head I'd be like, Oh my God, do you remember that fight we got into? Your mom didn't cast me in any plays after that. That was so fucked up and kind of just see what happens. Like I would do it bluntly and like matter of fact like that is just what happened and see if she's like oh my mom was the worst and if she's not yeah. then I'm, i am scared how it might affect dynamics like that's what's tough since it's like a bridal party I, in a wedding yeah so that's the added stress of it because i would just be like oh my god do you remember this i my concern there is if like I'm, and this is a thing that they have to judge for themselves since we don't know the dynamic but if this is a thing that has truly been like traumatic and it's something that like both these people were like deeply involved in it's like it has to be a light thing for you to bring it up that way because <laughs> if someone's just like oh my god do you remember like all that racist stuff i wrote in your yearbook i'd be like what how are you saying that to me like that so i think it's just like you 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 gotta you're the only one who knows like the tone that you can bring it up but i do think the best scenario here is for you to bring it up and be direct pre, about it. Pre-wedding, not- post-wedding, pre-bachelorette, at the bachelorette party, at the strip club, Whoa. like when? That's that. That's I think where? before all of it, because I think you got to clear the air or else you're going to be sitting with this awkward thing and people can read tension. I think if you go into a scenario where you are like, clearly you have a problem with this person, but you're not pretending that there isn't, they will be like, something's up and everyone around you guys will be like, something is up, but we are like trying to ignore it and I think it might come bubbling to the surface the worst time. So I think it's just like, you just gotta address it head on, but there's, it's like, there's very easy and like peaceful ways to address it without it feeling like, oh, this is a big fucking thing that I'm still pissed about. Or and I do maybe think like- she'll understand if you're like, you know, that conflict we had in high school really traumatized me. It really has had some long lasting effects. Like, I don't know, maybe yeah. like that's how you bring it up where it's not about what they did. It's about how you feel kind of classic therapy shit. I like that, too, because it makes you sound so mature, just like, you know, I've really, uh, you know, that time was hard for me, but I'm I've worked through it and it it doesn't allow them to still be like, um, actually, no, you were the like there's they only lose ground by trying to still be petty about it. If you're just like, hey, you know, that time was really hard for me, but I want to be friends with you uh, for our friend. And, you know, I want to get through this with you. And it, it does allow you to, like, dig into it. But it also presents it as this thing that you've clearly, like, done work on. And so they have no place to go but to try and also make peace with it. Yeah, and I'm hoping the reaction is, oh, my God, that was, yeah, I, we're, it's, it's really based on that person's growth. Like, all yeah. of this advice you're hearing is, like, best case scenario with this woman. But I feel you. You know, I played softball, and Christine's mom always put her as pitcher. 
<laughs> parents are why? why are these parents i'll tell involved? you why i mean uh, this is like a hill i'm gonna die on and i talk about it all the time i'm a broken record and then you know we'll we'll wrap this up thank you so much for all of your time but <laughs> p once people have children they think they're better people but they're not. They're more yeah. so, like I heard you because they, I heard you talk about this with Open Mike Eagle. Yeah. Yes. They care about their kids so much <laughs> that they think they're so much better. But it's like, no, you're just now an asshole f for your kid. <laughs> like mm -hmm. your kid above everything. So to this woman, it was like, yeah, fuck that kid. I'm going to put my kid in all the plays. It's like parents just their love is too much. They don't know how to handle the love for their child and they become psychos. Yeah. It's their love for their child and in the scenarios like that, their love for themselves of like, my child is so good and also I have the power to make them even better. It's like, I can't control this other kid if they want to be the lead in fucking Midsummer Night's Dream or whatever, but my daughter, she can fucking nail it because I know, like, she's got my genes, I know she's good, and I can make her better. It's just like this weird control of, of thinking like, you only see your kid and you don't see them as a full human being, you see them as an extension of yourself. And I, I'm like, if I'm I ever was a teacher... that you listened to an episode. That makes me feel special. Of course I did. <laughs> I didn't want to come in blind. That's cool. Uh, but I also think it's like, it's them seeing this as an extension of themselves. And I, if I were ever a teacher, I'd be like, I cannot teach at the school that my kid goes to. I don't have the objectiveness to not be like, my kid's perfect because I'm perfect. Oh, my sister teaches at the school her kids all went to. And um, she, she knows her kids. She's very much like... Oh, God, he didn't go to class again. <laughs> like <she's, laughs> my nephew well, was good. too cool for school. Yeah, because my, my, you know, my friends will say stuff sometimes that are parents of like, well, you know, once you're a parent, your heart opens. And it's like, I, what about child abuse? What are you talking about? Like, yeah. you're ignoring the realities of the world that parents are people and they're going to do fucked up things to their kids. To, like, hopefully not. Oh, but yeah. it's like, what? All the Karens I, I that we see their videos, they probably have kids. Oh, we got like 17 kids. And they're like, I'm calling the police on these black children because I think they're going to hurt my 17 kids. And it's like, nah, that's not a thing at all. But I do think like people sort of believe that just being a parent changes you in a way that it's in the same way where it's like people are like, oh, you say you don't want kids, but you will. And it's like you you think of having children as this magical thing that is so like it just changes you and makes you this better person. I'm like, I don't know. I think there are plenty of people who have kids because it's a person that they can exert power over. And I think it's like that's not a just a manner of. Uh, how to judge someone's like viability as a good person if that concept even exists but just like yeah you, the whole my heart opened up thing I'm like well, why did it you can only relate to you can only have empathy for people that are related to you is what it sounds like yeah and yours is even like oh I want to exert power over someone and who knows if that's conscious or not but even some people that are like well this is just what you do you have kids and they don't even want to have kids like but that's what you're yeah. doing like that's such a commitment like, next up such a big thing and then they're like parenthood's hard and it's like yeah i could have told you that <laughs> it doesn't look yeah, easy I, we're not doing it <laughs> yeah. right <laughs> there was like you don't get it and it's like i kind of get it but i don't want it yeah it's like i don't get it i don't want to get it that's why i'm i'm over here fucking hanging out <laughs> i'm sleeping good tonight sorry sleeping good tonight i'm glad you were funny you know i know i'm a comic but this podcast is always so not that funny and it's like so <laughs> sincere and i always feel so self-conscious about it because i'm like i should be telling jokes but it's like listen 
watch me on stage. I've, I'm trying to get deep. I've totally, I've realized that with podcasts, it's like they don't always, like some people just like the personality of a person. And so you listen to a comics podcast and you'll be like, I don't think that I'm getting the jokes off of this, but a lot of people are just like, I just like hearing this person that I like talk. And that's it. And that's like all that a podcast has to be. It's true. And I think a lot of people have problems with confrontation and conflict and all of us kind of struggle with it. No one's like coming out good at it. Right. And we just love gossip. I was like, okay, I want to hear about who other people's enemies are. (laughs) That's so good. But well, I just actually did Solomon Giorgio's podcast at the fest called Juice. Mm -hmm. And that's a full gossip podcast only gossip so if anyone's looking for (laughs) gossip solomon giorgio has got it and then someone in the audience oh my god someone in the audience um like basically there was blackmail siblings born under other siblings pedophilia like this person said so much shit it was it was it was wild yeah, uh, well, at a certain point like that, I'm like, oh, I don't know how much I can enjoy this gossip anymore. I, I think once the, you hit the pedophilia, I'm like, ooh, ooh, should we call somebody? I know, but, but before that, so much blackmail. Like someone who had Alzheimer's and said something they shouldn't have said, revealed a truth. Someone found out they were really fuck. adopted. Like all of this. Oh stuff. my god. Yeah. That's I gotta yeah I gotta listen to that episode. God damn. <laughs> Yeah, and there was, like, cheating stories. Yeah, that, if you want true, true, like, life-altering gossip, Solomon Giorgio. Tell people where to find you if you have anything to plug, any cool stuff, your Twitter. I am on (laughs) Twitter and Instagram at ElectraLemon. I don't use either that much, and I got nothing to plug. That's pretty cool. But you have all those guitars (laughs) up above your head. I do have the guitars in my head, which, you know, are in the house if you want to steal them. So that's a plug. (laughs) Find me. All right. I hope you really love that episode like I did. I hope you took some beautiful stuff away and fell in love with Demi. Um, Follow him on the Internet. And don't forget to call 323-677-1943 with all of your enemy problems. Thank you so much. Live your dreams. is a headgum podcast. Anya Konevskaya is our supervising producer. Ali Kahan is our associate producer. Rochelle Chen is our engineer, editor, and producer. And me, Lisa Traeger. I am also a producer. Hello. Thank you so much, Carly Jean Andrews, for the cover art. You are incredible. Jack Krause, thank you for the theme music. I love it. Please follow me on Instagram at GlitterCheese and at Enemies Podcast. Rate and review wherever you listen to this podcast. Tell us about your own enemies by emailing enemiesthepodcast at gmail.com. But really, I'd love to hear your beautiful voices. So email us a voice memo or call in and leave a message at 323-677-1943. That was a HeadGum Podcast. 